0: Hey, you can't touch up. Can't you hear Marvin's own? Please hold for a very important message. Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening.
1: Hello again. I certainly hope this podcast finds you healthy and in good spirits. Welcome to Say It Loud. I am the host Marvin Franklin. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hear a wide variety of points of view on current events and education. If you have any questions, please hit me up at talktomequick21 at aol.com. On whatever platform you've chosen to listen. Please do me a favor, I did say please, and hit the like, favorite, follow, or subscribe button. Additionally, they offer an opportunity to donate to this podcast on Anchor. If you do, all of those funds go towards the Beverly King Franklin Scholarship Fund, my mom. This fund was started in 2018, the year she passed, and has provided some students from River Rouge High School some additional funds to help towards tuition at an HBCU. Every little bit counts. Thanking you in advance. And speaking of which, I wanna send out a special shout out to Dave Mooring. He's been giving me a continual contribution. It is truly uh, appreciated. And my mom and the Franklin family definitely say thank you to that. Lastly, I wanna ask you, how did you like my new intro a very special thanks to dj will you can find him on instagram at dj will get busy on our show today my special guest is justin banks justin banks is a man born to help others born with aggressive ambition constant compassion and passionate persistence He is determined to motivate and inspire the youth to become their best possible selves. As a graduate of Western Michigan University, he is an exercise science major determined to educate, advocate, and motivate. Hate may try to break down the youth, but he attacks it with love and truth, creating a positive path for the youth to walk through. Under his watch, He will make sure that the youth feel protected, working to ensure that the youth experience joy through adolescence and beyond. He has done this by working for the Boys and Girls Club of Southeast Michigan, as well as Teen Hype, a nonprofit youth organization located in the city of Detroit. Mr. Banks is determined to help his students reach the stars. Welcome to Say It Loud. How are you today, Justin?
0: I'm fantastic, I'm so excited to be here Mr. Franklin,
1: I can't wait <laughs> Well, I I got a chance To uh, really meet Justin, I saw his uh, I saw some, some of his work on LinkedIn and I was just like I have to have him on with all of these Wonderful things I see you doing with With the youth um, I am a, a consultant With uh, Wayne Resa And a former educator in Detroit Public Schools for 20 years I taught Uh, and I was a principal, and so when I see uh, people who are doing great things with youth that are extensions to the schools, it really is a a true appreciation, and I want to definitely highlight those programs uh, for my parents who are listeners to give them some other things for their kids to do. And so the first thing I want to do is uh, I would like for you to tell the audience a little bit about Teen Hype.
0: Yes, sir. Teen Hype, uh, the Hype stands for helping youth by providing education. I am currently a health educator for Teen Hype and this is our 16th year and we're known for providing adolescent health programs to the youth and we talk about programs and ask questions uh, that many of the youth can't always talk about at home. We talk about sex education, we talk about healthy relationships, what is a toxic relationship ways to get out of peer pressure, and we do it in fun ways. And that's something that really has helped us continue to grow inside of the classrooms. And also we're known for doing theatrical productions every year. Uh, We do plays uh, every year dealing with social justice reform and just the life of a teenager. You know, what I realize, a lot of our youth, they don't have the chance to really voice themselves or be heard as much as they would like to. There's not as many safe spaces uh, for them as it should be. So we try to provide that within our organization and just let them be free And uh, basically be the voice for other teenagers. So when they do these plays, they speak uh, for the youth. They speak
1: for these other teens, and it really creates a connection. And it really makes them the ambassadors for many of the youth that are in this city and beyond. So where are you located? So right
0: now, we're still located in the city of Detroit. We are downtown uh, 1938 Franklin Street. Uh, Again, we're in the schools, and we also have our after-school peer education program. Those are for our uh, teens 13 to 18, um, and they can always come and uh, volunteer. Go to our website at teenhype.org for more information for people that want to get involved.
1: Okay, so tell me a little bit about these plays. Are these plays that the kids uh, come up with themselves, or are these uh, theatrical plays? Like, are they doing Hamilton, or...?
0: (laughs) (laughs) pretty close sometimes you never know uh what's so great with the youth they come up with things that they want to talk about so uh for last year uh we talked about uh, parent absenteeism we talked about community violence these are things that students came up with because they may have uh parents that are not in their life and they want to voice those concerns on this stage it's kind of hard for them to talk about it sometimes you know one-on-one with the person but if they can do it through an art form That makes them feel a whole lot better. So you see a lot of our students uh, participate in step, participate in dance, spoken word, uh, music, singing, and they put that all into this one play. And it really becomes really exciting. The kids always love it, and it really uh, helps them get their voice out in different ways. You know, art, we have to be creative. We have to let them talk the way they want to
1: express themselves sometimes, and I don't think that's done enough. So as far as transportation, are they, do you have a partnership with school districts? Do the kids come down to to Franklin Street or do you have buses? How does that work?
0: The kids usually come down to Franklin Street. A lot of the times we recruit by going by teaching in the high schools. a lot of the high schools enjoy the curriculums that we teach and from that point if they want to actually be involved in our peer education program, they're then invited to uh, interview. Uh, they can also audition if possible. And then once they're involved, they really enjoy it. They get a stipend if they're a peer educator. We went to Chicago last year, the kids have been to New York and they uh, most times
1: they really didn't have to pay a dime. So it's a great experience for everyone that's involved. Okay, so um, I'm sure this pandemic has caused some changes uh, as of late. Bit. Uh, so what would you say, uh, well, I'd like to hear some of those changes, number one. And then I would also f- like for you to highlight, what do you think You all are doing better today than you were doing before the pandemic started.
0: It has been so tough. Number one, when you generate a connection with all of these kids, you really begin to miss them. They miss you. Uh, We're still able to talk to them, of course, virtually, maybe through Zoom or some other platform, but it's always not the same. Um, But with that being said, it's made us work harder to connect with them. Um, There might be certain students uh, that have had parents that have had COVID-19. So we try to support them and check on them as much as possible. Even uh, students in the peer education program have unfortunately had that illness and thank goodness they're okay now. Um, But we've worked really hard to keep that connection. So rather than us telling the youth what they're gonna do, we ask them, what do you need right now? What's going on in your community? What are things that you need for us to do for you? And by us providing those needs and resources, they need a phone call um, they need just some text messages to check up on each other. If they need more meetings on Zoom to, or support groups uh, for whatever things they're dealing with, uh, we have an amazing uh, social worker on staff. He's also my supervisor. He does a great job uh, connecting to their emotions so they can speak freely when they, when they feel like it. So um, we've been able to actually
1: become more connected, I think, through this virus uh, than before. So do the programs work in concert with the school year or... Do you have kids coming down right now? I mean, I know not right this moment, but um, what what does that look like?
0: So we uh, always are there during the school year, and we also have our own summer enrichment programs as well. So you'll see us throughout um, at different schools uh, throughout the school year, and then afterwards, if students want to come to summer camps, we have that at our space as well. It's really a nice space. It's by the Riverwalk, by East Jefferson, so the
1: kids are able to go outdoors, and it's a fun time. Oh, I love it. I Yes, sir. Uh, so tell me a little bit about some of the challenges you uh, foresee for the next few months, next upcoming months. Now until I'd say what January to when we might right. p- potentially see a vaccine. Right.
0: Um. I think you know the challenges is the unknown. We don't know you know what exactly is coming our way, and we're still trying to educate and kind of pre- prepare for the unknown. We don't know what what can we do. So we're trying to just focus on whatever we can at this moment. Um, So we're still trying to educate through Zoom, but if there are ways that we still can not connect, maybe on the outside in the future, we're still preparing for that as well. Um, But it's tough because a lot of our kids, they don't have access to technology as much as they can or as much as they should, unfortunately. And so if we're trying to connect them virtually, they may not have that access. And we want to provide as many resources as we can um, but that is also tough, too. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can still connect with them, either getting more technological resources or just finding out different ways
1: that we can connect with them and they connect with us and still get a, a good education. Is there a, a grade point average that you have to have to to get in the program? Do you take uh, kids who have uh, behavior challenges? Is it absolutely come <laughs> one, come all?
0: Absolutely. Uh, We we try to get as many kids that that want it. You know, a a lot of kids that have those behavior issues are the ones that need the resources that we have the most. Um, Our kids are our ambassadors for I Decide Detroit, which is a health clinic uh, located in the city of Detroit. And uh, for a lot of the kids that have issues going to uh, anger management or even we go as far as HIV, STI training or testing. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of those kids... That, those can be very embarrassing for them. Um, and having behavioral problems can be embarrassing for them as well because they don't know how to release uh, their real feelings. So they just put it out in anger. They put it out in sadness. But well, we take those kids in and provide the, the correct resources for them. And then over time, you start to see that growth and that expansion because they're comfortable uh, in the space
1: they're in. So we want to take everybody. All right. So I know you've got some success stories. Uh, it sounds like when you said spoken word, I know you got some uh, really great... Uh, People, did Eminem come through that program? I know I'm dating myself.
0: <laughs> I wish he did. He wasn't, <laughs> we weren't around yet.
1: <laughs> Tell me about some of your success stories and, and what are you most proud of? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think the greatest success stories
0: for me is when you finally see the kids on the stage doing these theatrical productions. Um, 16 years worth is amazing, but it's it's the work getting up to that point. Um, these are kids going through puberty and a whole lot of changes. So they have a lot of different emotions. They have their own things they're going through in life, in school, after school programs, along with teen hype. Uh, So to see the things that they have to constantly experience, whether it be seeing violence in their home or being foster youth, there's a lot of different things that it tries to go through. And they cry, they get angry, and they want that happiness. And when they're finally still able to work through all of that and still be able to perform, and be just amazing, and see the standing ovations and the cheers, and to see those smiles on their faces—that's what's so amazing to me. Um, and then these kids have now been able, you know, to, to go to school, go to college, have full ride scholarships. It just—it just shows them that the work was worth it, and the work that we put in um, was worth it as well.
1: I, I can only imagine. I'd love to see uh, some of those finished productions at some point when we get Absolutely. to a sense of normalcy. Um, So I'm going to assume there are no programs going on right now. And if they are, how are you making your connections with the youth right now? Is it just through uh, Zoom meetings here or there? Do you have like Zoom classrooms? Uh, You know, what's what's going on right now?
0: Right. So right now, we're still able to connect with our peer educators, the ones that are already interviewed and auditioned uh, to be in the program. And we talk to them every Thursday via Zoom. And that's for everyone. But we also have our youth advisory councils. So we call it, they're basically like the leaders of our leaders. Um, So they're able to, you know, figure out what things that the whole organization needs. We even have uh, people in our youth advisory council that are on our actual board. So they are actually our bosses. So we actually provide them uh, with that kind of empowerment. So yeah, we meet uh, for the most part on Thursdays, um, just kind of figuring out things that they want and then creating programs and resources uh, in
1: those sessions. So I know it's the end of the school year. I think like last day, last day for many kids was this week. Um, are any of those youth, especially? So I guess I'm really concerned to know about those challenging 10th graders and 11th graders. So in my field of work, it sounds like a lot of kids uh, are making some adult decisions because of COVID, and uh, so I believe that there's uh, a higher number of kids who are deciding to. Uh, put education on the back burner and, and start to attempt to do some t- type of work and are uh, not as encouraged and I've also heard that uh, you know some of these lessons are not engaging I, you know, so I guess what my question is are you talking to kids about school in the fall and, and what are they saying to you? I know they, they trust y- you and your group a lot more than they may other adults More honest. And
0: um, this is something that we have to realize a lot of these kids have have never dealt with, that we haven't dealt with this whole type of pandemic or outbreak. Um, So, of course, a lot of them, you know, they are concerned. They don't know what the future holds for them. Um, Our seniors, you know, they couldn't have the true graduation or prom, and that hurt a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And our 11th graders are afraid that the same thing uh, might occur to them. Um, We just try to um, enforce upon them, you know, what can you control right now? And focus on that You know, what can you do right now And just be great right now And we try to enforce the importance of education uh, We try to show them Okay, if you can take this path How did things feel When you took that right path of going to your education Think about how many smiles you had When you were focused and you put your work in the right places Put that investment in You know, how did you feel when those things happened And when you took that other side That I just don't feel like it I just don't want to do this How did that feel for you that way so you, we try to incorporate why they should stick to things that make them feel better, and that's all. And that's easier said than done because usually you got to become uncomfortable first uh, before those
1: things start to happen, and that makes a lot of our kids afraid. Mm-hmm. About providing a safe space though, and letting them be honest, it, it keeps them wanting to keep coming back, and that—that's the most important thing. So I'm going to assume this was your major at uh, at Western. your your Bronco Kazu in yes, the house, sir. huh? Yes, sir. And- <laughs> What was your what was your minor?
0: Actually, I I didn't have to get a minor. At uh, at first, I transferred and it was going to be
1: chemistry. And I'm glad that I did not have to take that minor when I went to Western. (laughs) Right, right. Are you a, a, a graduate of Detroit Public Schools?
0: Absolutely. Uh, from K all the way up to high school, I graduated from Renaissance High School
1: in 2013. Oh, Renaissance, the second best high school in the city.
0: <laughs> you, you were close. Dude. The podcast <laughs> is going good for a second.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, go for go, Phoenix. Go Phoenix. Did you yes, did you play any sports in high school? Yes,
0: I was a quarterback for the football team. So um, I played that uh, all the way through. Um, I just always just since even Powell I played in Detroit Powell all the way up
1: so Cubs, Cougars I was a Cub that's oh, right okay okay yeah so we yeah so my my son played for the Cougars and I went to Cass of course I mean I, I figured you knew that when I said second best yes, renaissance. Like, nobody else has those conversations it's just it's just the the rivalry that we have and yes. you know at rivalry and respect I'll say you know it's utmost respect for for that program there. Um, Absolutely. So I, I want to ask you a couple more things, and I'm not going to hold you too long. I really have enjoyed uh, your voice, and thank you so much for being a special guest. I'd love to bring you back at some point. When this all clears up, I want to have like a large panel and <laughs> and do something a little different, um, and I'd love to have you come out. So Absolutely. yes. Th- sir. The invite is there. Um, tell me, do you have a favorite author or a book? So, my favorite author is Mr. James Baldwin. Okay. Um, his, his book, The Fire Next
0: Time, that was like the first book that I, that I read in college, or the first book that I've read that I stuck to and was glued to forever. And I've read, you know, at Renaissance, they had us read all types of, you know, African-American literature, things that I love, but it was something about James Baldwin. You heard his voice through that book. Um, and so many things that were said there are still relevant to this day, and I don't know if that's a good thing, you know? Because um, for the things that he was still dealing with to still be happening today, um, it, it's, it's really disheartening. Um, but his voice just just has power, and I'm just really trying to, especially during this time, explore as much as I can
1: about him um, and a lot of other people that were fighters during that time. So. Yeah, we yeah we had a I used one of his excerpts a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, and as I read the words, it just made me feel like I just chills ran through my bones because I could I could definitely number one hear his voice, I could hear the anger and the love in in the words the power the words were just so powerful, and I was disappointed disappointed because we were still in the same place that we were 50 years ago. Uh, And so I I definitely uh, would like for us to, part of this podcast, what I really want is to uplift uh, our our programs, our activities. I, I want us to start doing things right. This is just the way that I can do, or at least what I feel like I'm doing my part to help contribute to the advancement of our people. And so I, I love James Baldwin as well. Uh, and I also would like to ask you, uh, what are you reading for pleasure right now?
0: So right now I'm trying to finish up a book by Dr. Shaka Senor, uh, Right of My Wrongs, uh, Life, Death, and Redemption in an American Prison. Um, this is probably the second book that I just can't keep my eyes off of. Just Just the way he begins this book. Uh, if you know some of the things that he's been through in his own life—being in prison for almost uh, 20 years, uh, being in solitary confinement for almost half, if not more, of that time—and understanding the reasons why he got there, and understanding how to get out—and by him being a better man today—it starts off by him uh, basically creating a letter to the person that he actually murdered. Like that's how it starts off, and from that point on, I just been, you know, hooked
1: trying to understand his life as a black man. Oh, wow. So he's from Detroit. The name of his book is called Writing My Wrongs. Yes, and uh, so he he recently got out. He just got out in 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, he's been doing a lot. He's written a book and he's done a lot of lectures and, and things like that. Uh, I can only imagine. I have not read his book. I did get a chance to hear his voice. Uh, he was on a TED Talk, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I'll say for sure, hearing his voice, is this young man is a bad brother. I mean, yes, he is. He is <laughs> extremely articulate. He is in total control of the English language, uh-huh. and so. And he spent a lot of time in solitary confinement. And in the TED talk, he talked about um, how they brought him so many books and how he really had a lot of guardian angels while he was in jail, because uh, he just. Was a little different than everybody else, uh, and and he talked. He really touched my heart as he told this story about uh, going to the parole board. Uh, okay. So he had gone to the parole board a, a couple of times, and after the second time, he saw how devastated his family, especially his mother, was, and so uh, he really didn't want to do. He didn't want to go through that anymore. He had just made up in his mind that he was going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Uh-huh. And his mom said, "No you not <laughs> yes, yes, <indeed. laughs> and, and so I, i'm I'm really interested in reading the book too i I'm trying to finish up uh, David and Goliath uh, by uh, Malcolm Gladwell and uh, that was something that one of my previous uh, guests talked about Derek Coleman uh, dr. Derek Coleman a, a superintendent in River Rouge uh, mentioned That's that cool. book and so uh, my son and I are reading it at the same time right now, so it's that's, that's what's awesome. going on. But this is next. This is next. So, so, right. so, do you know anything about the neighborhood that he grew up in? Do you,
0: what A else? Little bit. It's literally the same neighborhood. <laughs> that's what's so crazy. When he mentioned uh, Brightmoor here, here on the West Side, it was like, whoa! Like he's super near where I am, and something this powerful happened so close to me. And that's kind of what what stuck to me. It's like, okay, something really bad happened, but look what what came out of it. Um, mm-hmm. He, I don't think you can turn it around um, any better than he did. And it kind of makes me look at the community and feel the same way. We can turn the community around uh, for everyone involved. You know what I mean? Because he's not the only person that has this story. The main thing that comes out of this book is just seeing it—a broken-hearted black man. How often do we talk about, you know, a broken-hearted? black man and what that looks like, what that feels like, and the triggers to why those things happen. We don't talk about mental health and anxiety and depression enough, and for me, myself as a mental health advocate, who has struggled with anxiety so much, as soon as I voiced it out um, into my own episode of a podcast, then black men from all over would come and talk to me yes. and express how they went through the exact same thing. Yes. So that's what's the issue. We're not having the conversation and we got to bring that up. And by him doing this, it it creates way for a
1: lot of people all over. Now, that's what I love about it. I, so, and I agree. So as I listened to him talk, I the first thing that came to my mind, especially when you said he was from Brightmoor, is that he was truly a product of his environment. and yep. And I'm sure that if uh, things were different, or his surroundings, uh, I think his life would have looked a lot uh, different. It would have looked different, no doubt about it in my mind. Um, I know Brightmoor has been challenged, and, and as of late, I know that they are redeveloping Brightmore and they're um, different uh, people moving in and, and building up the community, or at least making a, a strong attempt to build it up. So I, I can't wait to... See, and that's one thing about the whole city of Detroit in and of itself for me. I'm happy and sad about the uh the development of the city of Detroit and people always say, "Well, why are you sad?" Well, w- one thing is, I think you always have to keep uh, extensions to the past. You can't for you can't forget where you came from. And so it just looks like um when I go downtown, it just doesn't look like the downtown that I remember, you know, so the the Fofos and uh, uh-huh. Donettas and, and all of those things. Uh, and I know times change. I, I get it. I, I really do. But I just, I think like monuments, they put monuments up uh, to help remember the past. I think there are some things that we should do differently to honor the past of, of this chocolate city. And I, I know we've got a lot of work to do. And uh, the last question I'm going to ask you uh, before we get off is um, so have your youth had any questions or challenges about uh, police brutality, uh, about what George Floyd said? Have you had some uh, personal conversations with the kids about these topics and and Ahmaud Arbery and COVID? Can you can you share some of this without, uh, you know, spilling Anybody's uh, personal stories or just give us oh, something yeah. generic?
0: Absolutely. So, we, we, that's kind of been our last few uh, sessions on Thursdays. I uh, have been these serious topics. Uh, we wanted to hear how they felt. Um, a lot of our students, they're, they're angry, they're confused because, you know, they're young, they don't understand why all of these things happen, but they're eager to learn. So, we try to provide those resources. I think one of the best things that we have done uh, was last week when we actually brought in. Um, an officer for a conversation on race and police brutality, a black officer. And hearing his viewpoint, hearing his side of the story, hearing the way uh, that police are supposed to react, to understand how badly the, the Joyce Floyd situation was. And I wish that at, at my age I got that kind of information to be prepared for what would come later on in my life. Um, so the, the more that we have those conversations, the more that they want to learn more knowledge and gain more understanding about the country that we live in and this country's history. Um, and by them having that education, it makes them feel a little stronger because they can defend themselves in better ways, not just the, the way that is expected in a violent manner, unfortunately, uh, but through their intellect, showing who they really are. Um, so, the more we talk about the George Floyd situation and police brutality and having that conversation with the officer, it actually can heart- start to connect the bridge. Um, and build a connection for what's going on. And we just want them to feel a little bit safer. Um, and by us having that conversation, it kind of made them feel better, not knowing that not all cops you know, are bad people, um, but we definitely have a lot of work to do. Um, in terms of, of COVID, we try to provide as many resources as possible for where they can go to be tested, um, mm-hmm. the true facts on the virus, uh, and making sure that they're staying as safe as, uh, safe as possible. Uh, so the more that we do that, the better they feel.
1: I absolutely love it. Before I let you go, I'd like for you to go ahead and drop that uh, website or uh, phone number uh, one more time for them. So if they'd like to get in contact with you about Teen Hype, getting uh, their kids some more information, if there's a webpage, could you please uh, share that one more time?
0: Absolutely. So the website uh, for Teen Hype is www.teenhype, T-E-E-N. Hype, uh, H-Y-P-E, .org. Um, That's probably the best way to get in contact with us, especially during this COVID time. Um, If you want information for myself, you can also go to uh, my email, which is justin.banks, B-A-N-K-S, at seenhype.org. So if you want to try to get your kids involved
1: into something uh, positive, that's another way you can get in there. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate your help. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Keep doing what you're doing. The next episode, uh, in the next few episodes, we'll be talking about restorative practices uh, with someone from the Black Family Development. And I've got a lot of great things coming up real soon. So I'm going to say one more time before we go, uh, it really does help when you like or favorite or follow uh, the podcast. So I really do love the favor what it does it changes the algorithm and so it provides an opportunity for others who might not necessarily see the podcast in the first place it it increases that number and if it's in your heart and you want to leave uh, some comments apple podcast leaves an an opportunity for you to leave some comments i love some great feedback um We've got to continue to uplift each other and do the right thing. So uh, at the end, I'd like to say whatever we do, let's say it loud and keep it proud. Thank you. God bless. And I'll see you next week.